Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate these rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, go to masterleadership.org forward slash podcast. That's masterleadership.org forward slash podcast for more information. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Michael Hines again. Michael Hines began elementary school as a student, loving school, and playing music on multiple instruments, solving puzzles, immersing himself in art, and wondering what the future would hold. Once he graduated high school, he was in the bottom 5% of his graduating class. Years later, Mike has served in almost every position in a school system, from elementary teacher, assistant principal, principal, business official, assistant superintendent, and now superintendent. The road to success has very little to do with what he learned in school and very much about what he knows to be true outside of it. People say you're going to have to change to fit into the system. He says, how about you change the system so we can all fit? Tune in and learn how he walks the talk. It's so good to see you. Welcome, Dr. Michael Hines. How are you? I am well. How are you? (laughs) Doing well. This is the third time that you poured into our listeners. It's Master Leadership with Michael Hines. That should be a thing. I don't know how much uh, traction you get with that, but yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. That's for sure, Lily. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Well, we're excited. You know, a lot has changed since we last spoke. You are in a different position now. Tell us about that. Sure. So I'm the uh, new superintendent in the Port Washington School District. It's been a wonderful transition, fantastic community, wonderful board of education, very supportive, very forward thinking, very different community than where I was before. It's interesting. Up until mid-March, I was ready to present the um, state of the district as far as how things were going this year and then what we were looking toward for next year. And that is all out the window, clearly, right now. But that's part of leadership, right? You have to learn how to adjust and to recalibrate and all of those things. And right now, I think more than anything, it's about relationships, you know, trying to make sure people feel connected and, and all those important things. So, But it's been a great transition for sure. And at the time of this interview, we're experiencing the global pandemic and we're hopefully at the tail end of the stay at home. So tell us how has that affected you, your organization, your family? Gosh, you know, I say it's affected and infected us in so many different ways. It's made us work in a much different way. I think it's a lot harder to turn off, so to speak, you know, for those of us who have children at home, especially young ones, you know, then it's the balancing act of making sure that they are learning what they are supposed to, sharing those technologies, uh, making sure, you know, they're up to speed. And then 
If you have a spouse, if you're fortunate enough to have a job still, either you or your spouse, you have to do the work at home, which is very different. And then you have to worry about your family as well as making sure everyone's okay physically and emotionally and all those different things. They talk about the ACEs study, right? And it's about toxic stress and trauma and all those different things. And I think when everything is said and done, I think we will celebrate the wonderful humanity that has surfaced being reintroduced to us. But in the same breath, I think we will see people who were already struggling with either mental health concerns or addiction concerns I think in times like this it becomes harder to manage those things and I think people who maybe weren't affected by those things before will now be affected and we have to make sure that we have those proper supports within our schools and within our communities to assist in that. Right. You know, I've spoken to many leaders and initially the shock of it all, some were surprised with even how they responded but they were so authentic about it. How did that land initially? Like, I know for me, I'm a doer and I like to go out and do things. Yeah. How I had to stay in. So that affected me. I had to really be still and quiet. And that was hard for me. Yeah. And it still is probably. When it first happened, so mid-March is when we physically closed down school. You know, two weeks before, we're talking about, you know, starting to creep up in New York. And then it's like the light switch went off and all of a sudden... Everybody was out of school. And I think for some of us, it caught us by surprise. The magnitude, I think maybe initially, you know, when we closed down shop, there were many of us who were thinking, all right, maybe, you know, if we're closing mid-March, maybe we'll be back by the beginning of April. And then two weeks go by and we're like, no, that's not happening. Because you see those numbers start to climb and climb, which is very scary. So then it was like, you know, all right, maybe we'll come back. If not mid-March, maybe beginning of May. And here we are now, May 1st, and we think the governor, in another hour or so, is going to say there's no school for the rest of the year. I would be hard-pressed to think that he wouldn't. So it's like the stages of dying, right? You know, first you're in shock, and then you're angry, and then ultimately you come to the acceptance phase. But all the while, you have to plan accordingly, because we have school budgets that we still have to put forward. You have to get ready for the end of this year, right? So we're talking about graduation, moving up ceremonies, kindergarten orientation, kindergarten screening, and then everything else in between. And then at the same time, think of what re-entry will look like potentially in September, which, you know, it's all over the map. What's happening from a monetary standpoint, we know in New York State, you know, what is it, 15 billion in debt right now and climbing. If we don't have any federal support and if state aid is reduced by 20%, 20% for many school districts is not only catastrophic, it will close shop because there's no way that they can offset that type of loss. And then, so again, tying it into September, if we're looking at reentry and we still have social distancing that we have to consider, so that means smaller class sizes we have to think about. That's more teachers, that's more money. Staggered schedules, possibly, maybe summer school, we're hearing in some cases, that costs money. If we have to purchase masks for kids, that costs money. And there's a shortage, I'm assuming, because everybody will need masks. So you can imagine supply and demand and what that looks like. There's so many different edges of uncertainty in all of this, which would make, I think, the most grounded person anxious, right? But the reality is we can't get too high, we can't get too low, and we have to just think of what's in front of us, what's shortly thereafter, what's on the back end of that, and not lose sight of there's two months left of school here, and we really need to make it the best that it can be. 
even when I first met you, you're a very introspective person. You go in to get answers. And that's something that I've had to learn to do. What resources or quotes or advice or practices have helped you during this time? That's a great question. Gosh, you know, I think part of my routine is really, really important in the morning. I'm in work right now, but I'm not in work five days a week. I'm there three days a week and I get here a little bit later than what I used to. But I still get up at the same time every morning and I still go to bed at the same time. And to be Which, honest with what you, was it? it was really early. What was it now? 4.30, <laughs> I get up in the morning. <laughs> I know there's something wrong with me. But, <laughs> You're but a beast. To be honest, You're a beast. Well, you know what it is? It's the computer chip in here reboots. It takes about six hours. And then once I'm up, I'm up. And it's that quiet time, that free time before the kids wake up and the day starts. You have a lot of time to yourself to really reflect and go deep. So what I do is I read a lot. I listen to podcasts. Right now, I'm listening to Wayne Dyer and I'm listening to Jim Rohn. Very positive thinkers, forward thinkers, of course, always John Maxwell is one of our favorites for sure. But that grounds me in the morning. I have to say a lot of spiritual quotes, but not tied to a religion, to all religions. So whether it's Buddha, whether it's Confucius, whether it's Lao Tzu, whoever it is. I find the Stoic philosophers, uh, Marcus Aurelius, like all those different things ground me in the morning. And then what I do is I share them with everybody. So well, that's you know, right. I follow you. You put those morning quotes. Morning quotes. It's always a good morning quote. And it serves two purposes, selfishly for me. And then I like to think in some ways, maybe it starts someone's day in an introspective way to ground them. Because you know better than anybody, right? The way you start the day is incredibly important because it does set the stage for everything else. As important, if not more important, than the way you end your day and what those routines are. So anyway, make a long story longer. They haven't changed. Everything in between has changed, right? The physical space that you're working, the way that you're communicating, the frenetic nature of trying to get things done in a very quick timeline. But those things that you can control, I think now more than ever, that locus of control in your own life, I, I think is incredibly important. Great. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? What am I learning right now? I'll tell you what I'm learning. I thought I had a lot more patience than I than I thought. So, you know, here I am thinking, yeah, I'm a pretty patient person. You're speaking and, and to I'm, a lot of parents right now. It's true. And so I find my gas tank, as far as patience is concerned, is usually depleted by noon. And so I have found different ways to replenish that throughout the day. And to be honest with you, and again, there are, you know, these little tricks that I find. I go meditate for five minutes and I come back. And that's good for another at least two hours. Or I go for a quick walk with the dog. Things that I know when I get to that threshold, I'm finding myself doing it more than I typically would, but I'm learning a lot about that. And then second thing I think I'm learning about that's much more important is that I always knew how much I loved my kids, but I never like looked at them for this long. Like, you know what I mean? Like for such a prolonged period of time, because for the most part, it's a 14, 15 hour day with your children. Right. And in many cases they are, they're like right here. They're like, right. They're right in your face. Good, better, and different. Like, right? you exactly. know, I, I put you on mute because I don't know what's going to go. I hear what's you. Gonna come through that door. I totally uh, listen. I'm always ready with the button just in case, you know, video and the mute button. But one thing I have found that I think most people are starting to become reacquainted with is that we do need to slow things down. You know, it is like a drive-by. The day is like a drive-by before this pandemic. You wake up, 
you go off to work and before you know it, you're going back to bed and you're rinsing and repeating and you're not really seeing your family until maybe Friday night, which you're exhausted. And then maybe you spend Saturday with them. And then Sunday, you're thinking about work again because you're re-entering work again. In this instance, because you're in that same physical space, like I'm staring at my four-year-old and she's like, dad, why do you keep staring at me? It's like, you know, it's a little scary because I feel like I'm looking at them for the first time. It's beautiful. And as taxing as it is, we will never get that time back. You know what I mean? And you can't think that the whole time. The human condition won't allow it for us to be that positive all the time. But every now and then when I do get frustrated, I think of two things. One is this won't last forever, right? I think that George Harrison song, All Things Must Pass, right? So this will pass at some point and we won't get this time back. And so for me, it's that time back with my children and my wife, you know, and she's doing work at the same time. So even though we are home in the same space, we're usually on calls walking by each other with our earbuds on and doing right, things. And you can't make noise and you can't cough can't, too loud. You can't sneeze. No, Why are you sneezing? It's true. And then finally, and I really do mean this, and I'm saying this kidding around, but it is true. I have never drank so much coffee in my life. Like we are going through coffee like nobody's business. I should buy stock in coffee right now. <laughs> we're drinking so much. You should. And in Zoom. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Want to make your voice stand out to prospective employers, clients, or partners? You don't have to be well-known to be a guest on Master Your Swag podcast. In fact, we provide you with all the tools you'll need to be featured and be ready to get noticed. Go to MasterYourSwag.com and claim your spot on Master Your Swag podcast. Thank you for your openness and authenticity, because we need that always, but especially right now. We're looking up to leaders to see what they're doing to help us to kind of recalibrate. And so when you think of leadership today, Mike, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? So leadership in the school space or anywhere? Whatever you want to address. So I'll tie it to education right now, and I'll talk about New York State. So right now, there is the ability for the Board of Regents to hire a new commissioner, right? And in probably one of the most difficult times, except for maybe 9-11, as far as how this is affecting everybody. And I think it's a great time to have very strong, decisive, disciplined, and visionary leadership to bring the 700 plus school districts to a new place. I think we're learning a lot of things right now that teachers can do that they've never done before. The things that we're asking our students to do that they've never done before and administrators as well. So in some ways I'm hopeful and in some ways I believe if the regents get it right, they will hire somebody who has the ability to facilitate and move our great state forward. What concerns me is the fact that homeostasis, and we talked about this before, is so easy to stay in. You know, I liken it to a warm bathtub that you don't want to get out of, right? It's very comfortable. And I don't want to see us slide back to the way things used to be. We have the wonderful opportunity to really try new and different things, whether it's related to social emotional learning, whether it's related to the way we assess our kids and how often we do it, whether it's you know our new push potentially to look at not only project-based learning, but problem-based learning. 
to focus more on career and technical education as viable options that not all kids have to go to college in order for them to succeed. We can accelerate, I think, those steps if we have the right leadership, not only in our schoolhouses, but certainly at the state education level as well. Well, thank you. So we have a new segment where leaders ask leaders questions. And we have a question from Dr. Gary Bodenberg, who was a guest on our show and is actually in Long Island as well. All right. Uh, His question is, what are you doing to improve your creativity? My creativity? Oh, I love that. That's a great question. Yes. You know, I will say this. I have two times in my day that I have squared away for myself that's non-negotiable. And like I said, one of them is in the morning and one of them is before I retire and go to bed at night. What I allow myself to do is to be bored at night. So what I'm trying not to do is to use any electronics and to just sit there and think about things and then have my mind go off in different directions and then do something. So I'll give it for instance. I did that about a week ago. And from that, as far as letting my mind go, these different thoughts came up and I penned an essay about post-pandemic education. Literally, I just sat there for a good half hour, 45 minutes, literally, and I had to discipline myself to do it because it's so easy to pick up this or pick up a book or turn the news on for the hundredth time in a day. And I just said, I'm not doing anything. And now I do this more often. And within a half hour, this framework of what I would love to see as a post-pandemic education came to mind. I penned an essay and I didn't think it was much of anything. It was pretty short. It went viral. And so the discipline of not doing anything allows those kernels of creativity to percolate and surface and then do that. The other thing I do is I play my guitar often and thank goodness not many people hear it. But just by sitting there playing my guitar in a somewhat meditative state allows creativity to take place as well. It may not sound creative when I'm playing it, but it does get those creative juices. And I think any outlet that allows that to happen, the only reason why it wouldn't is because you're not inserting it into your life. We all have the same amount of time every single day. We have 24 hours. But there is no doubt in my mind from a selfish standpoint that you can't dedicate parts of those days to yourself as an investment to yourself to allow yourself to either A, be creative, or to B, replenish yourself and take that deep dive into what makes you tick. So those are the two things I've been doing right now. You know, I'm trying to play different songs that I never thought I could play before, and I'm enjoying it. It definitely does help. So I don't know if I answered the question, but that's... No, you absolutely did. And I love that you want to get bored or want to be bored because typically that's something we don't want to do. We shy away from, but it's where creativity lives, right? Absolutely. We don't allow kids to be bored anymore. It's like we think that if our kids have, you know, zero downtime, we're doing a great job as parents. And I think back to when we were kids, you know, we had no choice but to be bored sometimes. And many times when we were is when we discovered either new talents that we have or new interests that just came about. We need to find places that allow kids to do those things. And I love that. So speaking of penning, you wrote a book. I Tell did. Tell us about that. Yeah. So this book is a few years in the making. So the book's on Amazon right now. It's been on there for about a week. And it was like a soft launch. It's called Staying Grounded. So for those of us who are educators, we remember Harry Wong's book, The First 100 Days of School. So when I was a teacher back in the 90s, 
That was my go-to book. And I'm not even kidding. A, I still have it, which is probably a little bit scary. Uh, <laughs> B, I use that book all the time. And I didn't use the whole book, but I used different parts of that book I found so helpful. So when I became an administrator about 17 years ago, I didn't see a book like that for an administrator. I didn't see a book that, you know, was a go-to book that was very practical, that didn't have thousands and thousands of references to research, something that's more conversational and very practical, like I said. And so I cobbled together 12 principles that I used that I think are really important, and I framed them into three different parts in the book, uh, the inner journey, as we were just talking about, the outer journey, and then finally, future work. And you know, it's around 240 pages. The best part is I've threaded in there many leadership stories from all over the United States in all different types of positions, whether they are teacher leaders, whether they are superintendents, principals, whatever domain that they live in, their stories were really important to be heard as well. So I threaded them in. And then at the end of each chapter, there is something that you can use to potentially apply for yourself. So the frame of reference was if I'm a new administrator or even a veteran administrator, or maybe even a policymaker or want to be administrator, what book would I want to see? And that was kind of what I was thinking. And it's an easy read. I think it's a fast read. And most important, I think it's practical. You know, there's nothing worse than going to a workshop and you're like, I can't use any of this stuff. Right. Can you like, Which happens a okay. lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It happens more often than it doesn't. And it's the same thing when you read a book, as far as maybe a self-help book, maybe, so to speak, and you want to get something that you can apply very easily. Now, I'm not saying somebody can apply all 12, but even if you took one or two that you feel would be important, because the first chapter is taking care of yourself, because it's impossible to take care of others and serve others if you are not taking care of yourself. It's a disservice to other people if you don't take care of yourself. I'm talking about, you know, general things like taking an hour in the morning, taking 45 minutes in the evening to just focus on you, you know, to take that inner journey, all those things to eat better, to sleep more, if you can. That to me is the foundation of everything else that we do as a leader. Because again, if you are not functioning yourself, whether it's cognitively or physically at a very high level, I think it's very difficult to do an effective job. Beautiful. And we can get that on Amazon. Correct. It's on Amazon. And I've been really fortunate in the first week, at least in, under some categories, it ranked as number one under education leadership. But listen, those rankings, just like when we start ranking kids in schools, they really don't mean much of anything. Listen, even if one good thing comes out of it, I'm thrilled. So, you know, that's one of the wonderful things I love about you is your humility. And I find that humility and wisdom go hand in hand. And I know that you work on that. And so I appreciate that. With that said, I'm going to request a signed copy of your book. It's coming. I get to do that. You, you definitely do. You <laughs> kidding me? I have about maybe 10 people that once my uh, editor and publisher send me the versions that I want for you know the special people in my life who have made a difference, they're definitely getting that. Yay, so get be on the lookout for that. For okay, sure. great. So as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Well, if we're going to keep it toward education, which I would, I would say, what is your philosophy of education? And if you can define that philosophy, you need to do it in four sentences or less. Because for many of us, I look at some leaders, and in many cases, they are either plant managers, 
you know, the hard hat and to make sure all the widgets are moving in the right direction and all the spokes are, you know, moving in the same direction and everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. And you need operational people who make sure things happen. And then, you know, to me, there are, you know, the visionary people who have these big ideas and would like to see, you know, certain things take place. And what I find when I interview either prospective principals or district office staff, when I ask them the question, what is your philosophy of education? It's like I'm throwing a toaster in the bathtub. It's like they become short-circuited. They're like, I don't know. And so for me, why we're here as educators is to serve students, hopefully, so they can maximize their potential and talents. And we create those conditions to do that, you know, within the classroom, within the school space. There needs to be some, I think, core values that are attached to that. And you need to have a vision of what you think school and schooling should look like. And if you can't think of it like that, then, you know, I I guess I describe it as someone who gets, you know, to the end of the week, to the end of the month, to the end of the year. It's in every profession we have something like that. But I think to make someone really special, they know what their philosophy of education is. They know what their core values are. And it's very clear in their actions. I don't think a lot of people know what that is. And that is something I think we desperately, especially now, need to start rethinking what that is. Thank you. That's a wonderful way to end. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you, Lily. It's always a pleasure seeing you and speaking with you. And I hope everyone is well. And hopefully we can touch base again very soon. Yes. And let me know how I can serve you. Really. Uh, You know what? Now that I allow myself at night to think of things, I will definitely let you know. Please. Okay. All right, my friend. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.